For so many modern driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses. As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey and sharing our proven playbook. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday. Well, hello and welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Hey, Sandy. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Well, today we are going to talk about how to green light your offer. Now, Sandy, what does that mean when we say green light your offer? I think we wanted to have this discussion because as you create businesses and you are developing ideas for programs or group coaching or memberships or whatever it may be, we want to make sure that you're creating something that we're going to teach you how to give the green light so that you know you can go make some money from it. I think the worst is when people just think of something and believe that people want it and they go crawl in a hole, create something. And then it's like, oh, geez, all that work. And there's nobody who wants it, right? So this is like a couple, like a five-step process that we're going to go through where you can just answer these questions or consider these points and make sure that what you are about to take out to the market is something that will sell. Absolutely. So we have a signature process that we teach in our luminaries program called sleuthing. And so we always start from the standpoint of making sure that anything that you're going to make and sell on the internet is fully validated before you invest the time and energy and money in creating something that nobody wants to pay for. So that kind of is our starting point. That is the work from which everything else is done. It's how we've built our multiple companies over the years. And it's something that we encourage everyone to do. And then this is kind of the next phase. It incorporates some elements of that. But this is kind of like once you've found like a group of people that you want to work with, and once you've identified a pain point or transformation that's needed in that community of people and you have an idea of what to go and build, this is the next stage of that process where you then take this idea of this offer that you have you run it through this five-step process, and then you really get 
a good handle on whether or not this is something that makes sense to spend your time and money on. Right. Okay. First point so that you know you have a green light offer is market size. What does that mean, Jenny? Yes. So in the startup world, we talk about this as the total addressable market or the TAM. So how many potential customers exist out in the world that could possibly buy the thing that you're thinking of making? And it's really important to consider this because Sometimes we find this really, really great niche that we want to serve and we find this really great opportunity to make something no one's ever made before. And then we go ahead and do that only to realize that the total market size, total addressable market for that offer is really, really small. So even though it's this like very compelling offer for this small group of people, there's only so big of a business that you can build. And so we just want to make sure that that's you know, something that you're thinking of ahead of time. And one example that I came up with when we were talking about this was just like professional cello players who have horseback riding injuries, right? Like there's maybe not that many, (laughs) there's probably no market for that. There's maybe like three people and that's probably not a good idea to invest all that time and energy in making something. Or like them. Moms of newborns who live in the Arctic Circle, something like that. Yeah. You know, prove us wrong if you all are listening and you're in these categories, like, and you're like, no, there's 300 million people in that category. Sure. I do remember the flip side of this is if you are so hyper niched, you can charge a lot of money for that. I remember, I think it was an Amy Porterfield something or other. I saw that someone was learning how to build a course from her and they were teaching how to take care of giraffes or something like that. And they were charging like, you know, $55,000 for a course because there's like five people in the world who want to do this. So the demand is so high (laughs) that you can like, but for most of our clients, that is not going to be the case. Yeah. And you know, that's a really good point, Sandy. It goes back to that idea of a revenue goal. And so if you're this giraffe lady and you only need those five clients, like if getting 55 grand from five people is enough to sustain your revenue goal, then sure, go ahead. So I think you always have to start everything in business from a revenue goal standpoint, and then you work through these questions. So a business opportunity that might not make sense for us might make perfect sense for someone that you know has a different revenue goal than we do. And that's fine. So again, like it's All of this in this process is personalized and relative, but we just want to make sure that you're actually thinking about these things as you're creating content. And I will say one more thing, this like hyper-specialized stuff, there's nothing wrong with doing that work. I would encourage you to consider doing that work one-on-one and charging kind of like individual coaching or teaching packages for that kind of thing versus building out a whole digital product because that's a lot of extra time there versus doing one-on-one work with people. And charging 55000 Yes. Okay. Yes. Second point is purchasing power. Okay. So this is the one that I think is the biggest emotional trigger for people like us and our audience and our community and our client base. So you really need to ask yourself, does this group of people, this group of potential customers have enough resources and the purchasing power to afford this offer? Like, do they have enough money to pay for it? Is this something that's a reasonable expectation for them to invest in? Here's why this is hard, right? People like us want to be of service to the world. And of course, we want to create things for people who maybe cannot afford them. And so I think that this is a huge emotional trigger 
for so many people, especially women, especially like heart-centered people. And so I think it's just something like to recognize you are building a business. If you're listening to this show and listening to what we're teaching right now, this is a business conversation. This is not a nonprofit conversation. So we really want to make sure that you are considering the purchasing power of your audience. Yeah. A lot of people get hung up here for sure. And I think the intention comes from such a beautiful place to want to help those who are in need and maybe don't have a lot of disposable income to invest in coaching or courses or whatever it may be. But I think that is why we do the work that we do in Visible so that you are putting out tons of free content. For example, this podcast is free. So if someone is building a business, they can take these five points, they can do the work themselves, right? But we also have a paid offer where we're going to support you and coach you and talk to you and teach you in detail all these points. So it's a business. I think that is the point that you said. It is a business. And when people kind of forget that and slip into this heart-centered service, it always ends in frustration and resentment for all the work and little money. And so it feels good in the beginning, but it quickly slides to like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, totally. And I'm so glad you brought up Visible, Sandy, because what we've created with the Visible framework to me solves this problem. So much of marketing outside of what we teach in Visible, it feels empty or, you know, kind of like useless or not that helpful and yet inhuman. And by following our Visible framework and producing like your very best content for free consistently and developing your thought leadership and authority that way, you're being of tremendous service to the world each and every week. So you don't need to have that same kind of energy on, well, but this person can't afford this. And Should I offer a scholarship? I mean, there's just all of that stuff just goes away. Yeah. And also, if you want to help like, I don't know, homeless teens, for example, you're not going to make a business out of that. The only way you're going to be able to help them is by creating a business serving a different audience that has a good market size, that has good purchasing power. Take the money from the people who can afford it and you're solving a problem and then go help the homeless teens in a different way, in a different capacity. But again, as you said, that's like your charity arm of your business. That's not your actual business. And that's just your life. Like that's exactly why I started our company is because Seth Godin actually said the same thing to me. I'm just like realizing it now as I hear your story about homeless teens. I was doing climate justice work and trying to make a living doing that work. And I was in a summer program with Seth many, many years ago. And one of the things he said to me that has stuck with me all these years is like, maybe you don't need to be sustained by this part of the work that you do. Like maybe you build something else that sustains you financially so that you have the absolute freedom to do the climate justice work on your own terms. And that's actually why I started a software company. That rings so true for me. And it's the absolute freedom of being able to be of service exactly the way you want all the time without having to depend on it to pay your bills. Yeah. What a gift. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Third point, Jenny, is does your quintessential client have a pain point that is solved by your offer? Yeah. So this is the sleuthing process we referenced earlier a few minutes ago really helps you to clarify this. So if you've been in our Launch with Intention program in the past, or if you're in the luminaries, you know this, but you need to make sure that the thing that you're making is solving a painful or compelling enough problem 
that people will be willing to spend money on it to solve it. So that that's different than does this group of people have the resources or have the money to spend? It's like, is it actually solving a big enough need for them that they're willing to invest the money? So I just want to share an example that I was talking to you just before we hit record is I got an email from someone that we've followed for a long time. Great respect for this female entrepreneur. She works with seven and eight figure earning uh, entrepreneurs. And when I read her email, I don't know what her program costs, but it's probably many tens of thousands of dollars. I don't actually know, but it's a lot. And when I read it, I am not compelled to go any further because what she's offering me is a community of women in the seven and eight figure earning bracket. It's not enough of a problem to go join a community for the what I know she charges or what I think she charges. It's just not compelling to me. Like great respect for what she's doing, but she is not selling me. That pain point for me isn't bad enough. I'm not suffering enough to go and spend the money to join these women. So clearly some are, but for me personally, it just isn't. It's like, ah, no, I can solve that a different way that doesn't cost tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So it sounds like that's a nice to have. It's a nice, like it's to, a have. nice to have. Right. And people, in that community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that that's a good question to ask yourself about your offer. You know, maybe it is really nice. Like it sounds really good and it sounds really nice. And you've gotten lots of feedback like, oh, that sounds like a really nice thing. That's that's lovely. But that's not the same as, okay, and I'm going to take this money that I could spend on something else and give it to you for that offer. Money always has an opportunity cost. That money is always by going to your offer, not going to something else for someone. So you just have to really think about that. Because in the sleuthing process that we teach, as you talk to people and do your product research or your market research, people will always say to you, what a good idea. That's great. Yeah, I love that. That sounds interesting. But until they actually hand you dollars, you have no idea. Like they're always going to say that. It has to be, you want to find something that people are like, oh my God, here's my credit card. When can I buy? Like it has to be so Jenny, you've referenced that I'm going to be beekeeping this summer and my teacher that I took the beekeeping 101 course from, she's like, and I think I'm just going to start a membership where I'm just going to be like live and coach you beekeepers throughout the live, like the actual summer season when the bees are out of their hive. And I was like, I literally said to her, where do I sign up? Like if you can have an expert guiding you and sort of talking you through this situation, like a hundred percent and want to kill bees, please tell, like just a place to say like, here's the situation, right? I will buy it. That is such a huge pain. I'm handing her my credit card before she even opened the doors. That is like the ideal situation. Yeah. And the good news is there are plenty of problems that are compelling out in the world to solve, right? Like there's no shortage of problems to solve with your work. If you're up against a nice to have, if you're kind of running your offer through this five-part test and you're like, oh shoot, I think I hit a snag here because I'm hearing a lot of feedback like, oh, that's really nice, but you know, it's not the right time for me or, you know, whatever other excuse then it's probably a nice to have and go find something where people are like, take my credit card. That's what we should call it, the take my credit card. We should rename this. Yeah, let's rename it. Uh, Okay. The fourth point, I believe, is competition. How do you see the competition, Jenny? Yeah, so I think competition is fantastic. That means that there's a validated business opportunity. So for most of us, having no validated business opportunity is not a good sign. Like that means you're creating a new market. You're creating like a new 
offering in the world in a way that no one ever has. And like, it shouldn't be your first business. <laughs> it shouldn't probably be your second business. That's usually something where you have to explain to a group of people why there's even a need for this thing in the world. It is just so much more additional work and probably requires additional startup capital. So the kinds of businesses that we're talking about on this podcast and the kinds of businesses that we've made, with the exception of one, <laughs> our software company was the first one in the world to exist. And it was really, really hard for a lot of years because of that. You shouldn't think that it's a good idea that there's no competition. Like competition should make you feel excited. Like, oh, great. There's room for me because people are buying this. But often women will see that there's competition and there's no room for them. Like, yeah, they'll flip it to the opposite. Like everyone's doing it. You can find whatever on YouTube. So therefore I shouldn't even do this because it's just everywhere. So we'll talk more about that point in the next one but you can talk about commodification. Yeah. So I also want to say that there's a distinction between competition and commodification. So we've talked about commodification in various capacities, both on this podcast and some of our free trainings that we offer. But a commodity is in place when essentially all units of production are identical, regardless of who makes them. So what that means is like commodities are things like butter or milk or like minerals or <laughs> coffee or like things like that, like oil is a commodity. Like we think about commodities as these interchangeable things in the market that no one really can tell the difference between. But the way that you solve for that is that you have good marketing. Like good marketing breaks commodification. So for example, if you are in an industry where there are lots and lots of pieces of free content on YouTube, like the way you differentiate yourself is you have a brand. Like you become known for something. You have a personality, a persona, a character. You have thought leadership like that separates you. So there are lots of strategies to kind of decommodify your offer. And it just means that your marketing and your branding is even more important. Yeah. And it's in the brick and mortar world, it would be called an experience. So coffee is coffee. You know, you can get coffee anywhere, but I'm going to go to the hip little shop down the street where they do pour overs because that's what I'm into right now because of that experience, right? So they've elevated my experience of coffee by what happens inside and the way that they've, you know, built out their leaseholds and what it looks like. You know, all of that is part of their brand and their experience. So it can be the same, even though you don't have like built out physical spaces online, but it's the same. Through the brand, you can express yourself and differentiate yourself from whatever YouTube channel has a million followers. Yeah. And I would say storytelling is really how you do that online. So the same way that you're talking about a physical experience, like that can happen through story. So even with the same example of coffee, I am married to someone who like really is a coffee snob. And if you buy artisanal coffee, it's like, you know, the story of where the beans came from and how they were harvested and what pesticides weren't used. And like the smell of the, I don't even know all the ways you talk about it, but it, like you can take this thing that is like Folgers, which is like interchangeable, or you can buy artisanal coffee beans. And like, it's all about the story and what that evokes, that experiential feeling that someone has when they think about purchasing, right? So you can do that as an online business so well. All of us have such a great opportunity there. And I think of, you know, our clients who 
first of all, when you are looking at competition, you are seeing all of the people who are in your niche because you are looking there, right? You are following people on YouTube and Instagram and wherever. Your client probably isn't so deep into that niche and doesn't recognize how much competition is out there. So number one, you need to know that. But also, even if they were, the way that you can show up in your business and really begin to believe in yourself and your experience and your genius and your take and your way of teaching and explaining this is worth it to someone. Like there's some people who are going to identify with you who are just like, I want to learn from her. Like what we're teaching here, a quick Google search will find it in multiple different ways from different marketing, whatever people over the years. But this is our spin with our stories with the giraffes and the coffee and the the software or whatever, right? That's our spin. It's still worth it because some of you will listen to us because of the way that we explain versus some branding with Facebook blue on it with boring blog posts, you know? So just be okay with the competition and with the way that your the brand and your voice is going to differentiate you so you won't be seen as a commodity. Yeah, totally. And just like seriously, think about going to the grocery store and how many different versions of everything there are. Like okay, there's room for you. Yogurt for a second. Oh, that's oh, that's a lot of <laughs> lot of versions of yogurt. There is nothing that frustrates me more in the world than just like I just want plain yogurt, full fat. Same. Same. Take me 20 minutes to find that because there's so many bloody versions of it. I don't want fat-free and no sh- – like that. And they're all surviving, right? So – Yeah, because of their branding. Oh, my God. infuriates <laughs> me. You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. Inside bonus, you can ignore trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. All right. The last one is probably the most important and maybe the most difficult for us to explain, but it's the value proposition. Yeah. So the value proposition is what is the value that you're delivering to your customers and why would they pay you for it? And so we can have And we will have an entire podcast episode where we really dive into value proposition and positioning. We wanted to share our example of from one of our programs, Visible, our newest program with you, just so that you can get a sense of what that actually looks like in action. So to me, this is like, you have to understand the value of what you are creating and how it fits into someone's life and why the heck are they going to give you any money for it? Too often, actually, we had this in a coaching call yesterday in Luminaries, too often we're focused on things like, I have this program and it's got 12 videos and it's 10 weeks, but maybe it should be 12 weeks or maybe I need to do three calls and not five. These are like the features, right? There, No one's going to buy because it is 10 weeks or 12 weeks or three calls or five calls, it doesn't matter. They're going to give you money because of the value that they are going to receive in exchange. So we've talked a lot about this, about 
like value-based pricing, like price your offer based on the value that the client is going to receive. So for Visible, what you were just talking about, to me, we have a program that is currently is $1,000. You give us $1,000, you join up and you are going to learn how to build an audience of raving fans so that every time you go to sell something, you've got this fan base that are like, here's my credit card forever, right? So this is lifetime learning. So for $1,000, you get to learn this skill have this strategy that you can implement over and over again so that every time you sell something, you're going to be able to sell it to your existing audience. You won't have the feeling of like, oh, I just launched and there's nobody to buy, right? So to me, that's huge value. It doesn't matter. Like when you listen to that, you don't care how many coaching calls there are. You don't care how many videos are in the course. You don't care how much whatever feedback you get. You just want the end result. You want this problem solved of like, crap, I just launched the second time and nobody's biting. Like maybe I'm priced too high. I should probably lower my price, which is usually what we hear, right? So the value is you're going to have an audience. Give us a thousand dollars. We'll teach you how to build an audience of raving fans. Like hell yes, right? So you have to start thinking about your programs in that way. What am I solving? How am I going to change their life? How am I going to absolutely delight these clients for that exchange. They give me money. I'm going to give them this. And this is not a checklist of videos. Yeah, that's right. Nobody cares. Like we finally just started saying that now on coaching calls for these kinds of questions. Like actually nobody cares. It doesn't actually matter. Like you as the teacher or the coach, the creator, you get to decide based on your expertise, like what is the best structure? Like what do you want to make? You're the artist here. You decide if you want to make 13 videos or two videos. Like, who cares? Nobody cares. What they care about is the transformation that you're going to provide through that learning opportunity, right? So that's what the magic of the creator economy is, is it's like you're selling a result to people. Like, it's really a beautiful thing. And how you do that, how you deliver it doesn't matter. And I mean, we say this as the the co-founders of a creator-based online learning platform, right? Like we believe ours is the best. We love it. But truly, it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to send people videos with Dropbox links, like nobody actually, the amount that they care about that is so little compared to the transformation or the results. Like if you're delivering real results, I guarantee you your people don't care how you do it. How it happens. The how is not important. You know, I was thinking when you're talking like we have another program called Luminaries, right? So Visible is going to teach you how to build the audience and Luminaries is going to teach you how to really like earn an income and make a business from that audience. We recently had a number of people join, which is fantastic. Not a single person asked us, when are the calls? At what time, weekday, time of day are they? How much content do I need to watch before I can implement? Any of those, they never asked that. They were sold on the promise of, yeah, let's get you on your way to 100K. Like, let's go. We're going. Are you coming with us? Right? They didn't care. And it's so interesting. In that example, if you join a coaching program like Luminaries, you're just like committed and let's go. Like, when are the coaching calls? I'll rearrange my schedule. I'll listen on the private podcast. I'll do whatever it takes. The decision is never based on, oh, Tuesday at two o'clock doesn't work for me. Right? It's not important. 
So anyway, I think we're now a little off topic. But. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think that that's just also like a stage you go through as a baby business owner <laughs> is that like, because for years and years, we kept building up our like content storehouse of that program, you know, which has gone through many iterations. Like, and at one point there were 85 lessons in that program and it's been drastically cut down, but that was based on feedback that it was too overwhelming from our client base, right? Like over many years. And so I think it's also like your ability to serve your people is back and forth. It's a collaborative process if you're doing it right. So again, like you don't have to have all the answers. You don't need to build this like big shiny tower that brings people in and like looks like a university with 45,000 trainings in it. Like you need to deliver results and transformations for people. And then all the rest will honestly work itself out over time. You just need to be honest and open and co-create with your people. And like, you'll be totally fine. Yeah. So those are the five points. So let me just repeat those back. So you have to look at your market size. Do they have purchasing power? Does your quintessential client have a pain point that you can solve? What does the competition look like? Have you sorted out your value proposition? And I think I just want to say like, once you have this idea and you can say, check, 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 green light it, the next step, and we're not going to go into detail here, this will be a different podcast, but you would create what we call a product dossier. All of those elements, you are going to be like documenting what the value is, who is that client, what value are they getting? What exactly are you solving? What's the framework that you're using? So all of those things, we would show you how to make a dossier that you can refer to, to continually show your value, whether you're doing a webinar or a challenge or a pitch or a email sequence, you've got it so well defined what this product means to you and means to them so that you can easily market and sell it. It's super clear and easy. I can't wait to do that episode, actually, because I think that sharing this process is going to be revolutionary for so many of you that are building online businesses and creating digital products and offerings. And I just will also say that like all the stuff we've talked about in this episode, most people who are making online programs are not doing this, right? So like if you are listening to this and you are taking notes and doing this work, you are so far ahead. Yeah. Nobody does. Nobody. They just like, oh, I'm going to create a course and I think a course would be good for me and I'm going to go over here and do it. And then they have no sales and they're just like frustrated, right? So that's typically the path. So this is a very, the word validate, like we want to validate your idea so that you don't waste time and you make money. Awesome. Okay. Joy and hustle? Yes. Okay. So I think the joy, I have the joy today. <laughs> Remember, Jenny. <laughs> so I am kind of late to the party on this, I'm just going to say. But my joy is actually a screen protector, which is like- You're not late to the party. I never heard of this thing until okay, a okay. ago. Yeah, but I watch all these like planner YouTube channels, like all the people that do planners, <laughs> you know. So my collector persona. So anyway, I've heard about this thing for years. I wouldn't shell out the money for it like because it's like a basically it's a screen protector for an iPad or a tablet. And it was like $50 for a screen protector, but it comes with two. It's called Paperlike. And it makes writing on a digital screen, on a glass screen, feel like paper. Like it has a little scratchiness to it and a little drag to the pen or the pencil. It's so good. It's like the pleasure 
And like, I feel like it's more ergonomical because you're not just like on glass with this like fast moving piece of plastic. Like it's just so pleasurable to me. So this could also be a hustle, but I'm making it a joy because it's actually pure joy now to write and draw and doodle. And that makes me so happy. I think it was 60, 59 US, right? Some, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or, I also um, got like a little cleaner, like a, they have a little squeegee cleaner thing for screens. So I got that too. But yeah, it comes with two of them. It seems like it will last forever, to be honest. And it's just, if you're a heavy like tech user. So I've started using my iPad. I'm having some issues with my vision and it's really easy for me to like zoom and make things really big on the iPad. And so if you're a heavy iPad user, like I'm using it to fill out PDFs. I'm using it to take notes. It's just so easy on my eyes. And now with this like screen protector, it's just like paper. I don't have to go through all these expensive fancy notebooks because of course that's what I buy when I'm writing on paper. I don't just use cheap paper. So Mm -hmm. this is like, yeah, that's cool. It's a cost savings. (laughs) That's what I'm looking at as. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it doesn't actually take much to add up to $60 in fancy notebooks. So yeah, that's it that was my well done. Well done. <laughs> that was my justification. <laughs> Amazing. And what's the name of it? It's called Paper Like. Yeah. L I K E. Yeah, Paper Like. Paper. But Paper Like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's very popular. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay. And the hustle, we're going to use transistor.fm as our hustle for one major reason. So this is the software that we use that hosts our podcast and syndicates it to all the different places. But the reason that we switched a little while ago to Transistor is because of the ease of creating a private podcast. So for our, well, actually for both programs, for Visible and for Luminaries, We record the coaching calls, of course, and we just upload the audio file to a private podcast on Transistor. And so our coaching clients get to download, you know, on the Apple podcast or wherever they follow that show in quotations, the show, and it's just all of our coaching calls are in episode on that podcast. So it's so easy. It is so easy to set that up. And we actually have it set up now so that if somebody buys, they are zapped into Transistor and Transistor sends them a welcome email like, hey, you've subscribed to the Visible Private Podcast. And every time there's a new episode of slash coaching call, they get a little email saying, hey, coaching call available. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's just like in your regular podcast player, right? So I use Apple Podcasts. So all of our coaching calls just show up as a regular podcast in there for me when a new episode drops, which is so nice. If you do any kind of coaching or, you know, online, something that doesn't require someone to be staring at a screen, some kind of video viewing, I would encourage you to do it because the user experience is so much better. Nobody wants to sit there and stare at your video unless they need to. Yeah. I would just open up my laptop and hit play and then walk around and do whatever, but it's so much easier on your phone and it's just so much simpler. Yeah. We've received really great feedback from our current clients. If they miss a call, they can just like catch it while they're sitting in their car or picking up kids or whatever they're doing. Like it's just the ease of it is so good. And we spent a lot of time figuring out how to do the private podcast. And then I think, of course, you found Transistor and it's just, it's so good. So very, very little effort, but the value to our clients is enormous. So transistor.fm. Yes. And I'll just add, if you 
are podcasters like us or you're thinking of starting a podcast, you can wrap a private podcast for your paid program in with your public podcast. Like it's no extra fee. You know, you don't get penalized to do that. So it's a great thing if you're a follower of our visible framework and your visibility vehicle is podcasting. That's our podcasting tool of choice at this point. All righty. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jenny. See everyone. See ya. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.